What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 92 of Beards of Tech. Uh, I know it's been quite some time since episode 91, uh, but the world is in a different place. <laughs> um, both a little in, bit. Both in just my life and Urban's life and in the world itself. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess, like, just for some clarification around why our last episode was in October and why this is now just happening is uh, one in November, I purchased a home and uh, also in November, Jeff got married. Congratulations again, Jeff. And uh, when it, as it turns out, when both of those things happen at the same time to two fifths of the podcast, it's really hard to keep, to keep traditions going at that point. Um, the life and life and landscape changes just a little bit. Yeah. Life, life got in the way a little bit, uh, which happens. We all get yeah. busy sometimes and we decided that we're going to take a little bit of a break from the episodes and, but hopefully we'll be back on a more regularly scheduled basis from now on. Mm -hmm. Unlike um, last time we have a plan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have a plan. Uh, it'll be audio only for now. We'll, we'll figure out the video soon. Yeah. Um, and we'll be posting those all over um, Twitch and YouTube and all that. Uh, but for now, we'll we'll focus on the video portion of it. Uh, but happy to get back on Drew, and there's plenty of stuff to talk about that's yeah. uh, going on right now in terms as of as it tech. turns out. Uh, as it yeah. turns out, audio is a relatively important component of podcasts. So at least yeah. we're able to deliver that. Yes. <laughs> Although we did have some trouble getting started because you know we get a, you get. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit out of the groove and stuff. And uh, you're like, how do I do this again? It's like trying to learn how to ride a bike again. My microphone was a little nervous. So I had some <laughs> jitters before we got started. But... Need a little warm up. Um, yeah. Warm up yeah. those uh, coils or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how microphones work. I had to brush the cobwebs off the microphone mm -hmm. to get yeah. it going again. But um, but yeah, no, it's weird. There's, there's a lot to talk about, despite the fact that... Um, not a lot is happening in terms of tech, mostly because of this coronavirus that has everybody sheltering in place. But as it turns out, sheltering in place for a podcast that's been 100% remote is actually the perfect element we need to get going again. <laughs> so <laughs> so that works perfectly. Um, but yeah, no, I just I think it's cool to talk about just a bunch of random stuff that's happening in our lives and, and some news that we might have. But um First off, just the, the, the elephant in the room, coronavirus. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is that there's been an abundance of communication between family and friends and, and people who work with each other through electronic means as, as a way to get around the fact that we can't interact socially in, in person. And I think that that kind of presents an interesting topic that we could discuss, which is how technology is keeping people together during this global pandemic like it i think if this had happened even a decade ago the situation would be far worse than it is today just because these video conferencing tools and the like this technology hasn't had a chance to develop yet um, yeah or at least become nearly what it is today yeah it's, now it's easy it's so easy right it's built into your phones if you have an iphone you already facetime now you're just uh, FaceTiming more often than usual. Um, depending on who you are, you have uh, 
uh, all these services out there that you can use uh, to video chat across platform as well. So, you know, you, 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 it's so ubiquitous uh, nowadays. And like, I, I was used to just doing it with my grandma, not with friends. But now, <laughs> now I'm video chatting uh, with friends. And actually, you know, it, talk about like us between us, you and Matt, like, we never really talk, like we we're we're good friends and we hang yeah. out and we talk and chat and text all the time but during this time like you've just become like a regular person that calls me on the phone and has a 30 minute <laughs> conversation while you take your dog on a walk yeah and you know that sort of you know changed our behavior and i think it's kind of brought us closer as, as friends i think um, so um because you know, we we really never did that yeah uh, before no. that um, it's kind of it's, interesting how it changes the behavior and kind of actually brings people closer together that you were re- close with before, but not like at that level. Yeah, because like not everybody is fully uh, up to speed, I guess is a good way to word that on like the video chat software. No, it's not it's not easy to just be like, hey, send me a duo call or like, hey, FaceTime yeah. me or like, hey, do this. It's not as easy as it is to to call something to call somebody and everybody's used to the the procedure of a phone call and like they they can have a conversation and do other things and i thought it was a great opportunity to uh in a way catch up with people or like check in on them or just like make it a point to talk more to people who i normally only see in person yeah and i think that's it's had a really positive effect on me mentally Mm. just because i'm able to like keep a pulse on friendships and and be able to like find out what my friends are doing, and and like you and me, we have these conversations on a nearly daily basis. Yeah, I'll, I'll rotate between basically you, my dad, and another friend of mine who's closer, and and then there's some other people who I'll try on lesser frequently uh, occasions. But um, but it's nice to like kind of have that routine still where you can still interact with somebody on a regular basis, and and I think both of us can speak to that. Like you were saying it's made us closer as friends. I I agree. And I think it's been like super nice to just be able to keep up in a way where um, where we normally couldn't. Because uh, if like 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 I was saying, if like during the Spanish flu, this wasn't possible. During the um, the, if this had happened, like I said, even a decade ago, this would have just been phone calls. It wouldn't have been uh, like Zoom calls or Jitsi calls or Skype calls or like Discord chats or whatever. It would have just been like at most like Ventrilo and phone calls (laughs) yeah so um yeah it's it's we're in this like really interesting situation with technology where um it's not making this feel like as much of a global pandemic as it would have been in other times but um for the people who aren't immediately impacted by coronavirus it's it's kind of given us this interesting window or interesting opportunity to reconnect with people yeah certainly and it makes it a whole lot easier to keep that connection going although i did find i don't i i like you know physically hanging out with people i I still do miss that so it's not equivalent there's still some some part of it that's missing and also i've i've read a couple articles mainly from uh professors um you know who do lectures and they're used to doing classes in person with students um that doing it via zoom or whatever technology that they're they're uh, university might be using they they feel more exhausted more 
uh, drained at the end of the day. It's not as satisfying, not as gratifying as, as doing a, a lecture or a class in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not equivalent. It certainly helps. And it's great that we have this technology that we can continue on with certain activities, uh, regardless of if, if people are in person or not. But it's certainly not a replacement for no. actual human <laughs> interaction. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and you know, humans through evolution have been evolved in, you know, have evolved based on having close interactions with a small group of people. You know, that tribe mentality. We're social and, and, creatures. Yeah, very, very social creatures, and and um, I, I I've seen certainly uh, an effect on me um, from a mental sense, and and, mm-hmm. and sort of not doing that that often. Um, you know, work calls have also, I've been more keen to turn on the camera for work calls just because yeah. I, where I typically would never do that previously, mm-hmm. um, during any work calls, but it just feels good to like, you know, physically see someone or virtually yeah. see in this case, um, or have that interaction, um, makes it more interesting. Yeah, and I would have never done that on in like normal calls and like I would make it a point to like disable my webcam on my laptop because like during those work situations I always talk to people and I was always interacting with people socially like your your desk is like within feet of somebody else and it's like and well within social distance for sure but uh yeah. but like at that point like you're you're right in these situations there's there's some kind of a craving for actual interaction with people and the closest we can get to that the better for us like turning on webcams so people can see each other and and kind of like adds that human element to the call so you're not just talking to a headless voice like in on the internet or something like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh and i mean like don't don't get me wrong i I kind of like just the nature of my personality and how i am i'm like low-key thriving in this situation right now (laughs) like i'm really enjoying like all the me time that i'm able to get Mm -hmm. um but yeah, there definitely is that social element that's not there that I'm used to. Like I like going to bars with friends or going out to dinner with uh, my fiance and like enjoying a meal or like even just like going to a store and just being in a place with people who are doing the same thing as me. Even if I'm not directly interacting yeah. with them, just seeing another person in person is <laughs> is like enough Cause like I even like if yeah. I go to a grocery store, like I find myself making like stupid small talk to people six feet from me, mm-hmm. like just conversations. And yeah, like I was joking with some lady while I was walking my dog, and she was like, "Oh, how you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm doing good." Like it's like these walks are becoming more for me than they are for my dog at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I I totally get that. There's a need for interaction with people, and and like I I find myself fortunate because I'm in a suburban neighborhood where there's like the second that the work day is over or like it's nice outside there's just people on their front lawns like lounging on yard chairs and you smell like the fires in the backyards and all that stuff and it's like it gives me that sense of a community and there's people so it kind of fills that void but yeah there's no substitute for getting drunk with friends and hanging out <laughs> no certainly <laughs> not but although uh, virtual happy hours have helped they have. Um, they're fun yeah. and they're fun we make it fun with games and stuff and and they're they're pretty great um mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 definitely easier to, to handle it nowadays than yeah. i think it would have been oh, a, yeah. a couple um even just from a, even just from an employment perspective like 
yeah. if this happened 10 years ago, there would have been almost no jobs that could have handled remote. Yeah, the infrastructure wasn't there to support that. Um, yeah, I think back then all you really had was what AWS, like Azure and and these other services didn't exist yet. So, like I don't think Azure is 10 years old. So, um either, I don't I can't back that up. I'm I'm sure you're probably looking into that, but <laughs> yeah. Um uh, but yeah, but yeah it, it it certainly enables, you know, uh, companies to be more um based on the cloud and not based on local infrastructure and having a VPN to always connect to stuff. Um, you know, then, then, and, and, and as like jobs over the years have become more remote and mobile and, and allowed to, or companies are even more flexible to allow that. It also depends on the company, right? There's certain ones who just flat out refused to do any remote work and now they're kind of forced to. Um, so this might also change the behavior of any future yeah, we didn't have companies, a policy. Yeah, for for companies in the future of having a policy because, like, actually, we can we can actually support it. So if you want to work at home, I personally wouldn't do it because I never liked it. I had that option. I yeah. never. I liked going into an office physically. I never, you know, I once maybe twice a week I would do it, but. Um, yeah, but for some people, they prefer that. You know, they have their lives. They have kids. They gotta take to. Um, you know, school or whatever, and you have to manage those schedules, and that's just easier when you're home. So I understand their viewpoint, and and, and some people are full time remote. So yeah, this is just no change to the routine whatsoever. I know. I, I work with people who are who are never who are full time remote, and they're like, "How's it been for you?" I'm like, oh, it hasn't changed. I, yeah, I still do slightly, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> the only don't let oh, they're like the only effect effect that I see is when I go to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah, it's just slightly more awkward to go out shopping. That's all. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> change that that um, um, they see. But uh, this might change. I think the behaviors of certain and the mentalities of certain companies who have been sort of uh, refusing to adopt a, a, a right. flexible work from home policy. Yeah. Um, this certainly might uh, push them towards getting it more common within the workplace. I'm very interested in the landscape of of the the work environment in a traditional office setting. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing like what this impact is on that kind of a of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. But um I know there is a couple other things you wanted to get into also. I don't yeah, wanna... so the the all, it's all semi related um to what we've been talking about. Uh, I think we should uh bring up uh, um uh, one one uh video chatting service that that Overnight, it seems, because of this pandemic, became widely used and popular, <laughs> and the name sort of just spread like wildfire, yeah. uh, perhaps faster than the coronavirus itself. Um. <laughs> yeah, and shockingly to me, it's not Skype, because I would have thought for sure that Skype was like just the ubiquitous yeah. free chat client that everybody uses, but yeah. it's not. It's it's not so the the uh, Zoom uh, has become quite popular across all types of industries as well as not just work or school but also personal use as well. Mm -hmm. Um, in in what seems like overnight, um, yeah. in popularity, like I've certainly known of them. Uh, I've heard uh, their praises on how easy it is to use certain companies, uh, who I 
work with and, and have conversations with use Zoom a lot and they praise it every time that I went to do presentations there for, for my daily job. But um, I was well aware of them um, and I, I actually, you know, I, I understood what they were trying to do and, and, you know, I've heard their name bounce around and they recently just went public on the market, I think a year, exactly a year okay. ago. That explains um, why I haven't heard much about them. Yeah, um, so they were private and sort of like a startup. Um, uh, okay. But recently became big enough to you know, go to the public market. But um, I think the the reason for it becoming so popular is just the ease of use. So they really focused on um, having really very little barrier to entry right you yeah. send your link it's fairly straightforward if you don't have the app locally downloaded it quickly downloads it and just logs you like it just starts the conference you know mm -hmm. um and the reason i bring that up is some of these concerns that were around at security is kind of related to that right so to yeah. do to make it as easy as possible for people to join uh, you know, all these, you know, typical uh, audio conferencing issues that people have, audios, double audios, echoes mm -hmm. in the room, like all yep. of that. You know, Zoom tried to make it as easy as possible for anyone to just hop on a call and make it sound good and make it make the experience great. And and by doing that, they had to sort of work around some of the security, make it as seamless as possible because, you know, more security, less convenience. Less security, more convenience. So you have to balance some yeah. of the things. And, and I think Zoom went to more convenience route rather than the security. And now that the popularity has increased exponentially uh, due to this uh, pandemic, I think those security issues that sort of they were kind of um, um, glossed over a little bit yeah. just to make it more convenient to use or easy to use, which also like... Uh, you know, in turn, gave it all this popularity, I think, sort of now are in light, this all these security concerns, and more people are actually looking at the its behavior, what it's doing more closely, all these security researchers, and actually they're highlighting a couple of things in, in terms of the security concerns. And, and, and credit where credit's due, I think uh, Zoom has been quite um, open um, in terms mm -hmm. of like acknowledging, yes, we know. And yeah, I've been impressed. And and they've actually done like a feature feature freeze where where they said we're not gonna do any more new features. We're really focusing and and putting all of our developers on on fixing bugs mm -hmm. um, or issues or or fixing uh, certain um, uh, vulnerabilities that have been highlighted by the security community. I think as of recently, I think uh, April twenty sixth, which is actually what today. Um, yeah. They're scheduled to release the brand new version of their desktop client, I think 5.0, uh, that is, is meant to roll out a, a, a whole bunch of these uh, fixes within its uh, program that they have been criticized for. Um, Make no mistake either, if you've like put basically any chat client under a microscope, you're going to find a yes. lot of problems. Yeah, <laughs> Like this is just because Zoom has security issues yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that other places are like immune to this. Like Skype is by no means a perfect chat client. Yeah. Yeah. Certain, <laughs> certainly, certainly. So it, as if you put any piece of software under this uh, big of a microscope and you're analyzing every little thing that they're doing, yes, you're going to find flaws. And and as a in software a developer, yes. I can agree 100%. <laughs> uh, there's a lot yeah. of what yeah. 
we refer to as spaghetti code out there, which is just um, patchwork code on applied on top of patchwork code because, quote unquote, it works, not necessarily because it's good. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so. you know, due to its popularity, the, the, the tension has been disproportional for sure um, mm -hmm. to for Zoom. Um, but I like, like I said, they're they're uh, doing what they need to do they're looking closer looking at the encryption looking at all these bug features addressing the zoom bombing um issues of you know randomly um you know finding random zoom calls by you know uh, what was it called the not war dialing but zoom uh, what they call that. it i've never heard of that term. z z dot war dialing War you, dialing. Yeah, war dialing. So that's a classic like uh, hacker term where you're we're randomly trying to guess. Uh, originally, it was for f guessing phone numbers, right? So you create a program that would ge generate like guess a yeah. phone number. This was back in the modem days. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you wanted to connect to a random modem. It could be some, you know, whatever modem that outside that was listening for a call to connect to it. So you just set up a script on your computer that will just try every number overnight. And, and, and in the morning when you wake up, it will give you a list. Here's all the successful connections that we made overnight. And then you can see exactly what those numbers led to. Yeah. So people created the same thing for Zoom calls because they're randomly generated IDs um, and they're fairly easy to guess. You can write a script fairly quickly. Uh, to go through and try and join random generated IDs. And by default, back to those that convenience thing uh, with Zoom, by default, Zoom meetings then have a password to join. I right? Like this, so uh, I like this Z war dial tool that I'm yeah, looking at. Yeah, that's the and one. It's like, it's like, warning, joining a Zoom meeting you are not invited to is not nice. <laughs> Press enter if you agree to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it just goes into a ton of this is crazy dude yeah uh, i didn't so, even know about this yeah so so well, uh, by default you didn't have a password um to join a meeting again back to that convenience thing right yeah so you want to make it as convenient as possible it's like you click a link it's like oh what's the password it's like oh i didn't send it to you via email let me quickly chat it to you or get it to you somehow or whatever you know it's all that whole yeah. that thing um you know just click a link you're in the meeting um, yeah. So downside of that is you just enter, you guess a number or the ID of the meeting, you just join it. Um, so that's one of the things that they updated in the default. Um, by default, when you create a meeting, it's asking you, asking you to put a password in. Um, um, so they're they're working on, on fixing these issues, but it's it's kind of crazy how this intention and and you know all this scrutiny, which I understand, you know, it's like the number one tool out there in in business in schools um as well as personal i think a lot of people personally have been using it uh, more and more and and you know it, it offering a free sort of tier that allows people to do that is great um uh for sure um mm -hmm. but um yeah um it's 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 zoom has definitely become crazy popular yeah lately. like everybody is talking about it so it's it, it's important to know that zoom has these problems and it's important to know what to do in those situations to mitigate them on your end because a lot of people are going to be using this tool so i mean like regardless of what 
of what other tools we could preach zoom is the de facto like it's it's a it's basically like people are saying it like google now like oh let's we'll have a zoom later or like zoom me later tonight or whatever we'll have yeah, a zoom meeting we'll on zoom. sunday yeah, yeah yeah like it's uh it's giving a giving new meaning to the phrase zoomers <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah zoomers <laughs> zoomers are only just uh-huh. gen z kids now yeah, but uh, um, with the yeah. rise of, of of Zoom, though, there's been a, a also a rise of alternatives to Zoom, con- considering mm-hmm. all these con- uh, security uh, implications, and and a lot of have it uh, become more popular because of the overall fact that everybody now has to be sort of online and be present uh, using different tools, and also other companies have expanded their capability to match it or make it easier to join group calls. Uh, you yep. mentioned Skype earlier. You would think that Skype would be, you know, on top of this list considering the pandemic. But uh, Skype really didn't have an easy way of creating a group call and then sending a link out, yeah. or, or uh, to for some random people to join. Also, with Zoom, you don't need an account. You need an account with Skype, like all. I of think that. with Skype, um, all of Microsoft's eggs are currently in the basket of Teams at the moment. So I think that Skype isn't getting much attention in terms of becoming an alternative to zoom yeah Um, and also i don't think it ever was really meant to be an alternative for zoom yeah it wasn't designed to be um a a group chat like that or group video conferencing like that it was more for like a phone call replacement yeah a phone call or just one-to-one uh chat and they've also been yeah small groups but they've been around a really long time um we used to use it for gaming back in the day like yeah that was um, like that was what that was what discord was for us back yeah in the day. um and so you know certainly skype is a, is a good alternative that you can use there's google has you know their hangouts um that you can use on the desktop uh, google also has a cross-platform video chatting on that you can use on your phone or tablet called google duo that mm-hmm. actually has gained a lot of popularity i've been using it for years now but i uh, more and more people are now aware of it because actually i get notifications on my phone every time someone signs up an account mm-hmm. because it sort of looks at your contact list and sees hey this person now uses duo because they created yeah. an account so I've been getting those notifications actually quite frequently because <laughs> <laughs> I've been using it um, because it's cross-platform makes it easy for no matter what type of phone or, or tablet you're using, Android or yeah. iOS, um, you can quickly just join a call and it behaves like FaceTime, but you don't have to have a certain type of phone to use it. Yeah, um, it's a FaceTime equivalent. It's FaceTime equivalent, exactly. And you can do group calls now and I think they're expanding. I think right now the limit's 10, but then they're increasing it to 15 people or 20 people or 15. Yeah. what it was um so they're expanding the feature set of that as well i think it's mostly just to compete with facetime's recent group call update yeah. it's not yeah. by any means related to the to this coronavirus yeah outbreak. i think facetime still has the is the king of, of the number i think 30 or something yeah. 30 people can do group facetime which yeah. is kind of insane which is yeah it's crazy but if you're and also facetime i think is um in terms of just uh, s- stability and audio functionality. I think it's probably one of the better ones, um, but that's just purely because it's exclusively limited to iOS devices. So Apple has control of that full pipeline. So I think that's the only reason why FaceTime is as good as it is. But um, every FaceTime call that I've had has been like fantastically smooth and crisp. 
Um, but yeah, there, there's there's plenty of alternatives. Like yeah, Facebook just launched one. Um, uh, well, messenger, so right? Messenger, yeah. So they've had Messenger for a long time, right? But now mm-hmm. they can uh, they launch a desktop app first, so you can download a dedicated Messenger desktop app, and within there you can create a group, and then uh, yeah. you can start a video chat within that group. Um, mm-hmm. It's built in. Um, and I think a lot of these features were sort of like worked on being like internally. And now because of all of this have been sort of the, the development on them, you know, might've been like a side project that a couple of developers might've been working on. Cause you know, these companies can't roll out these features as quickly as they did. So there right. has to be something in the background that's already kind of being worked on or developed or what just playing around with it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's being um, now sort of accelerating and released quickly. But one one that, that I wanted to talk about that semi has raised in popularity and more and more people, at least within a certain community, have been talking about is uh, uh, Jitsi, and one of the main reasons that um, the weirdest name, <laughs> yeah, the Jitsi. Um, one of the main reasons is that it's uh, fully open source, um, and you know whenever you have these security concerns, open source is quite important because that allows anyone to look at the code and actually analyze it to make sure it actually so, is open source. Um, so real quick though, just I want to yeah. I want to stop at that moment because that's a good. This is a good like learning opportunity because I feel like you and me we understand the phrase open source mm. and why it is ubiquitous with security. But like, can you just give a brief like yeah. Uh, like, explain it like I'm five kind of explanation as to why open source means that it's safer than something that's closed source because that's something that like a lot of people are like if everybody can look at the code then everybody has the ability to decrypt stuff and yeah to hack it you know exactly how it works so you know where to find the holes and stuff yeah that's a good point so yeah for most commercial software out there it's closed source so what that means is some or group of developers are working on uh, creating a program, developing, you know, writing the code that actually makes it work, um, but no one outside of that company is allowed to see exactly how they achieved a certain feature. You know, in programming, when you write a feature, there's a million ways of getting to mm-hmm. the same result when you write a piece of code. It all depends on how you go about in the background to actually write it, making sure you're following the right security practices. You're not cutting corners in certain areas where it's not meant to be. So when it's a closed source software like this, no one is allowed to sort of analyze and and somewhat scrutinize the way that you went about creating a particular feature. What open source allows you to do is have third parties who aren't part of the development look at that the the way you program a certain feature or the certain program and actually look at to make sure you're practicing all the best practices known known out there there aren't any you know gaping security holes and actually um, run it locally and and see how it behaves and and follow the path and and to ensure that um Nothing was put in there hidden or secret feature that sends that data to Chinese servers or whatever it may be uh, that you yeah. secretly hid in there. Because if you you don't have access to that code, a program could potentially be doing that without your knowledge, right? Because most people, you don't have, you can't see what it's doing. You see the end result, but you don't know actually how it got there or what things it goes through. So You're going off the fact that their documentation was written in good faith. Right. True. Yeah. 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 Um, 
So that's why open yeah, if they have documentation. So that's why open source is important. So it allows people who know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be you that's looking at this, but people who know actually how to do this and do this on a regular basis to actually look at this information in detail and, and get an idea on actually how it works and, and, and a detailed idea of how it works. So yeah. Jitsi has sort of popped up as a, an open source alternative to all these group video chat conferences. And, and Jitsi has their own um, portal that you can just log into and you put it in a random name and you can start a meeting um, and you can send that meeting out to your friends and you can all join. But another part of that um, is uh, uh, you do your own or DIY version of Jitsi, right? They have all the code that you need to create your own server that you run on your own hardware so you don't have to talk to Jitsi or anything like that. Um, so if you have the know-how and have the hardware to actually get the server up and running, you can create your very own group video channel. I think the limit is 50 people uh, that you can do uh, with no cost or anything, right? You, if you, you know, mm -hmm. the know how you can just set it up and run it on a local server. And actually, this call right now is being run on a Jitsi server running on my own, own hardware that's right down here, right next to me. Yep. <laughs> in a server that, that I've set up. Um, so it, it's quite useful. And, you know, I don't have to rely on any other outside connection, outside service. It's all running locally. I don't, you know, I, all I need is an internet connection. I can, anyone can go ahead and, and join my call. Um, Move so, over Apple. Bearded <laughs> Tech now has its own software <laughs> pipeline. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's one of the main, and I, in terms of the, the sort of people that I follow on the internet, um, I've been sort of early and and because I, I, we we were talking as like fairly early on. We're talking about Jitsi this, over a month ago. Yeah, over a month ago, and now as the time went on, more and more people are are, are learning about it and actually figuring out um, how to install it locally. Right, all the I've seen all these video tutorials uh, come out on how to make it as easy as possible to install it on a uh, on your own server. Um, weeks after I've done it, <laughs> yeah. Maybe had, maybe I we had... should have created that tutorial, yeah, right, uh, yeah. Early on, it makes you think. But um, we were sort of ahead of uh, um, the curve there. We're the um, hipsters of video chat. <laughs> we were on Jitsi before; it was cool. <laughs> yes, yeah. Before it was popular, yeah. um, but that's a it's been a great uh, alternative and. Um, of course, Jitsi is owned by several companies. I think it was bought by Atlassian, which is a pretty huge company at some yeah. point, but it was also then sold by Atlassian. And it's currently owned by a company called 8x8, and they use the same technology that Jitsi does to run their own commercial side of a video conferencing system. So you can, mm -hmm. as a company, um, buy that uh, service from them, and it runs sort of the Jitsi code as the back end. Um, but it's, it's important to know where this actually came from, comes from, because some of these open source projects are either run by corporations or run yeah. someone in their, you know, basement or whatever, working on it as a weekend project. So this isn't that, but this is actually a real company behind it, but you yeah. know, they, they're fully maintaining this project and actively updating it, which is important to know actually where it comes from. It's a fully fledged um, software. Yeah, suite. which I which I wanted to you know trace back, and I think we had this text conversations you and I of like me actually chasing back the ownership, like who actually owns yeah. this when I randomly yeah. ran across the internet. 
of, yeah. of Jitsi because I wanted to know, right? You want to know who is coming from it, open source or not, right? You want to make sure who's actually creating this piece of software. Also, another benefit of open source software, trying to figure out who owns it is very easy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, this one company owns it, but this company is actually a shell company of this other company. Yeah. But if it's open source, everybody knows where it came from. So you're able to identify the man in his basement running this off of his home server, or you're able to identify the company who has exchanged hands several times and now owns this this like whole yeah. suite of software. So that's another reason why open source is important. Peer review and accountability. But um but yeah, no, Jitsi's great. It's it's a great chat tool. Um I can very we used to use Hangouts for the majority of our uh podcast. I think for literally ninety two episodes we've used almost, yeah. I think what some or ninety one, I mean. We've done, I think, Skype for a little bit too, yeah. but yeah, Skype and Hangouts has been the main point or way of that we've been recording this show. And I think that Jitsi's kind of replaced that for us. Also, not only because that it's like, not only because it's it's just a nice we we sit we have the whole suite of software like nobody else owns it. It's it's running through your server. It's all yeah. It's we're the only ones capturing this. Um, but secondly, because it's, it, I think it sounds better than most of the other, like Hangouts and Skype and like uh, other ones do a lot of audio compressing. Yeah. And I've noticed that this one does it in a graceful way for voice chat. Like it's not overbearing like Skype or Hangouts is. Um, but it's actually like, uh, like this audio that I'm here, like you sound great coming through. Uh, this Jitsi broadcast, whereas like on Hangouts, everybody kind of sounded like okay, but like when you listen to the local audio of somebody, it was like a thousand times better because we all have these like nice microphones because we podcast, and it's nice yeah. to actually be able to like you know hear the benefits of that when you listen to the recording. It's like oh cool, I spent all this money on this microphone. It's nice to know that I'm getting my money's worth out of what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, it's it's nice. I'm I'm a huge fan of Jitsi and and um I even with a little bit more difficulty than you did spun up my own server. So I have one too now. And we had a call going the other day with some friends of mine and we had up to like 14 concurrent connections on it and it was great. Like it was fine. Like there were some other issues like my friends were I'm going to refer to them as client issues, mm-hmm. like client side issues. Nothing wrong with the server itself, but um some people couldn't get connections for whatever reason because their laptops were old or um they wanted to block some like web rtc or whatever to prevent ip leaks and stuff like that but i mean it sounds great but um i'm a huge fan of this tool it's nice i'm going to use it for video chats basically in perpetuity i think at this Mm -hmm. point like i don't need hangouts anymore i think we're officially closing the book on hangouts yeah now you just need to spin up a uh google docs alternative and then we can own everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, actually i'm i'm working on that actually i'm i'm more I've, I've been working on figuring out a way to do a google drive alternative so with the way we organize our podcast files mm-hmm. uh, running on my own nas um mm-hmm. actually i've been syncing the files that we create over to my nas automatically oh, really actually yes yeah. so i've been i've been doing that so well yeah, we could talk about that later but okay. yeah uh, to sort of get off of uh, um, these uh, t- 
tools. I want to talk about uh, servers one time. Just do a special episode on servers <laughs> and just talk about like our favorite tools. Just mm. really nerd out for like an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just talking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of Zoom. It's great. And I think this is like keeping it as high level as we can for this. It's like, it's an amazing alternative. And anybody who's really, I think you can even have calls just from Jitsi's website. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, that's like what you I mentioned You don't even need earlier. a server. Yeah, you, you don't just... need to. So they, they run their um, um, uh, own thing. So you can just go to jit.si, um, um, I think. I think it's jit.si. Um, no, it's not. Uh, it's meet.jit. Yeah, it's meet.jit.si. Okay. Um, and you don't need to run your own server, right? Again, you, you can just create, you can put in a random conference code name um, and that you can share a link with your friends. So you don't need to run your own server, but if you you can just run it on, on their own instance that they have. Um, but you can have the confidence that it's still running the same exact code if you were running it locally in your own server. So it's there's nothing um sort of hidden that's being you know used to track you don't have to have an account you don't have to put your name you just get a link you send this to your friends you they click a link you can just join a conference call quickly um and easily um, yeah. um so yeah you could we'll put that link to the show notes if you wanted to uh use um that as an alternative with your friends and it's certainly easy to use there's apps on your phone that you can get as well as your tablet um and it works in in chrome the best but uh website web browsers as well mm-hmm. um so yeah um there are a couple alternatives out there and we'll have a list of, of those as well uh, in the show notes that we'll provide of, yeah. of alternatives to zoom Definitely. if you wanted to get together with some friends and and still concerned about the security or just wanted to try some other uh services out there because there's plenty to choose from and they all have their ups and downs and different features so uh, is it too much effort to is it too much effort to rank them to rank them from what we prefer as like yeah to what we would say like this is beards of tech uh recommend yeah (laughs) now i want to like have it be in like a meaningful order so that way yeah people who have the time to people who are listening to this who want to know yeah, okay, yeah which one of these do we have the most faith in and which ones do we have the least faith in mm-hmm. um, i can immediately tell you right now i think i know which one is the one we have the least faith in mm-hmm. um, facebook messenger <laughs> <laughs> but um the one that and, I, and jitsi being obviously i think our number one but um yeah. I, I think it would be important for people to see this kind of list organized in a way where um they can know where like it's like if they're not concerned about security and they just want to talk to somebody, what can they yeah, use? Yeah. Or if they want to be concerned about security while having this, then which one should we do we recommend? I think that's important. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'll, I'll, we can do that after this done, after this recording is done, and then uh, get that list ready. But yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about something completely unrelated, but it's no. just because you and I are, are the same person. I feel like we can get a meaningful <laughs> conversation out of this. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a, it's weird because uh, normally around this time of the year, we'd be talking about new devices that are coming out and, and all that stuff. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the significance of the, the iPhone SE 
2020. Yeah. And why I think that phone is going to be Apple's best-selling phone for probably multiple years to come. Um, even though the fact that it's missing a lot of features that a lot of people would consider ubiquitous with modern smartphones. Um, like, for example, it's got Touch ID again. It looks like an iPhone 8. It's basically part yeah, for part. Pretty much is, 8. yeah. Yeah, minus the A13 Bionic chip in there. But I want to, there, there's, I, I think it's going to be more important than like any other phone aside from maybe the the pixel 4a 4a i think is there is it's the four it's the a line is there like budget line 3a the 4a is rumored it's not out yet but they have the 3a out now yeah Yeah. and the 3a is a great phone Mm -hmm. and i think that i think that uh, these companies google samsung uh, apple are all going to kind of find a nice profit margin in their budget line of phones Um, especially now during this time because people don't want to spend money but yeah, or don't uh, have the money yeah. to spend. Yeah, and they just need something, because I believe this this iPhone is probably cheap enough to be offered on like the free tier for most carriers as like a new phone. Yeah, I haven't ever actually looked if uh, that what carriers are offering in terms of incentives. Um, yeah, it'd be good to see because uh, I'm sure there are plenty, uh, especially if you trade in like even a older phone, like uh, yeah. you know the. If the trade-in value might even co- like cover half the cost of the phone. The trade-in value of an iPhone 10, if you were to have a very like high-quality, like uncracked, like working iPhone 10, no. is 75% of the cost of the base model of the SE. So it's like you could get it for pennies on the dollar, essentially, yeah. for trading in a, a newer smartphone. I don't know why you would downgrade, but it's something that is something to consider if you need a phone. Yeah. So. It's cheap, but um, but yeah. So Apple, um, for anybody who's not aware, they released the new iPhone SE. It's not called the SE two; it's just the SE twenty twenty edition. Twenty 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 version. Yeah, yeah, there's no other. It's just they, they're just calling it the SE. There's no name for it, um, and not to be confused with the previous model of SE with the what four point one inch screen. Um, this one has a 4.7 inch screen. I think it was smaller um, than that. Three and a half, I think. Maybe. 3.5 inch. Because the one that had the old iPhone. Um, it was shaped like the 4. Yeah. Or the yeah. 5S is the exact model that it was based off. But they're all the same sort of yeah. form factor. That square, boxy uh, look. Small. Yeah. yeah. Very, Super very small. compact. Fits like in the palm of my hand and not just like is the same size as the palm of my hand. But um, it's something that is not that it's an important distinction because a lot of people hear the iphone se coming out and they're like "Ooh, gotta get the new small iphone i'm really happy that apple's keeping that small phone size when no it's not it's the same size um basically a spitting image of the iphone 8 so anybody who's familiar with the iphone 6 the 6s the 7 the 8 all of them it it is that phone that exact shape, that exact size, that exact bezel, everything, all the way down to um, the Touch ID still being there and the lack of a headphone jack. Um, the important differences, though, is that this phone, uh, visually, the only hallmarks that you can distinguish between this phone and a base model iPhone 8 is that if you, if you buy the white phone, um, you are not going to get a white front plate the front face of the phone is all black on all three models of this iphone um 
and they moved the Apple logo from the top middle to the center of the back of the phone. So it's lower uh, to match up with the new iPhone 11 and um, the 10. Does the 10s have the lowered Apple logo? 10s. Your 10, there wasn't a 10s. Oh, tennis. Oh, then, tennis max. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. yeah. The, the, the tennis match. <laughs> <laughs> Does that phone have the lowered Apple logo on the back of it? No, or? no, the, uh, no. It's still okay, up so at the, the top. The eleven was the first. Yeah, one eleven is the first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so those are the two visual differences, and then under the hood, I think literally the only difference is the A13 Bionic chip. So it's got the chip, the same chip that's running in actually the iPhone 11 Pro. Yeah. So it is a much more powerful phone. Um, it's and the, been quite surprising. So the benchmarks have been starting to come out. And <laughs> the benchmarks for this SE model are beating some high-end Android smartphones that are up in the 800 to plus a $1,000 range beating, of price. Uh, it's beating the Galaxy S20. It's crazy. Yeah, it's um, got a, it's scoring higher in its CPU. Well, then again, Apple's always kind of wiped the floor with Android devices. Yeah, in terms of in terms of CPU power, this, but this, C- their CPUs are are killer um, in terms yeah. of performance, and they've had they they've had a leg up on uh, Qualcomm for a long time because what yeah. these most Android phones are running are Qualcomm chipsets. But yeah, um, that being it, said, like Android phones can make up for it with having extra RAM and other features that yeah. mitigate that, but. Yeah. Um, but Apple definitely creams it in terms of CPU. Like, I think I think the newer iPhones are actually beating old MacBooks now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, certainly, certainly the iPad has been beating MacBooks for a while uh, in terms of performance. But it's yeah. crazy that they can stuff that uh, chip into a price uh, so small, like a phone so cheap. Yeah. Um, and it's really gets you a lot of value. Um, and, I, and one thing to note with that as well is um, how good Apple is with uh, updates. Yeah. So when you get a phone like the SC, you can guarantee at least four, maybe five years of usage out of it. And you'll still get the latest, greatest features as well as uh, security updates along with that. So you won't have a phone that you're stuck with. Uh, that'll be outdated within two years just because you're paying a smaller price of the phone because this is the latest A13 processor. So if it's running, if it's running, because they have to maintain the newest software for the latest mm-hmm. 11 Pro phone, they're going to do it for the SC because it's running the same chip. So why yeah. wouldn't they do that? Um, so I think you're going to have the support out there because um, a lot of these cheap Adner phones from these no-name brands or smaller brands that throw out these small, cheap Android devices, the support and the OS side, you know, they might just, you know, move on to a couple models, you know, two models it's very down variable. the line. They're, they're, they might not, you know, update. Um, there's no consistency there's across no, the there's different There's definitely no consistency. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing about having this phone uh, be where it is with Apple is that you get all the benefits of having the A13 Bionic in a very familiar form factor. You don't have to worry about Face ID. Face ID is actually becoming a problem in coronavirus because everybody's <laughs> yeah. wearing face masks. Uh-huh, it doesn't so work. I'm finding my, if I'm like one-handed trying to like get gas from my car and I have my glove on my one hand and my mask on, like I have to use my free hand to unlock my phone by entering the passcode in. So it's like 
it, it actually is a benefit now to have touch ID back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of people are probably wondering, like, why did they still leave out the headphone jack? Why are they um, not upgrading these things? Why does it have the old shape? And I, I don't understand. And I think the the reason kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier when I was saying anybody who's familiar with the 6, familiar with the 6S, familiar with the 7, familiar with the 8, they've been working on this design for a long, long time, probably close to seven years now, I think was when the 6 came out. And it's something that Apple has streamlined to a T. Like their manufacturing lines, it's very yeah. easy for them to pump out frames that are shaped like that it's very easy for them to pump out those cameras it's very easy for them to get touch id ready to go it's very easy for every easy and cheap phone and cheap yeah and that that's one of the benefits of yeah working on a manufacturing process for more than half of a decade is you can get it pretty good like you can make it very efficient so you already um, have the reason it's the same shape because you already have the same machines that pump out the iPhone 8. You just have to adjust small little things here and there, and then you can just continue yeah. to pump out more of these cases. And just... The iPhone 8 has been in the market for several years now. Yeah. So there's been several iterations of manufacturing because there's people who still have iPhone 8s who need replacement parts. There's people who yeah. go in for repairs or need replacements. And it's and... been actively sold. I think they stopped after they released the 8, but the, you could still buy an iPhone 8 on yeah. Apple's website up until they released the iPhone SE. Yeah. Um, it was cheaper, actually more expensive than the SE. So the SE is even more less expensive than the old iPhone 8 was that you could buy <laughs> uh, a week prior to the SE launch um, yeah. with the old processor still, uh, which yeah. is kind of funny. But um now that's even cheaper because there was 5.99 i think it was yeah. or 4.99 for the base um but and now, a lot of yeah, yeah yeah and a lot of people might also be wondering well okay cool it's got this new cpu um and i understand i'm going to get software updates but as you and i have obviously discovered just from conversations with other people and from even talking to people on this podcast um security features aren't exactly the sexiest thing no that comes with a new smartphone um, and it's not exactly the most immediate thing that you would notice for sure, because you're not going to know that until four or five years down the line, assuming you still have this phone. Um, but the important thing that is immediate with this is that unlike the iPhone eight with the benefit of having an A13 bionic in a phone, that's literally the same size and same specs as the iPhone eight, you're going to have far better battery efficiency because mm. that's several years of CPU enhancements. Yeah. And uh, the easiest way to make things more efficient is not necessarily better battery technology, but better computational technology. A more efficient computer chip is going to be way better on battery life than simply just throwing more milliamp hours at it or a larger battery or making the phone fatter. So it's something that is going to be very apparent for people who are upgrading from an iPhone 8, but not necessarily apparent for people who are coming from the 10 or the 11 because they have the larger battery sizes to accommodate those bigger screens. Um, but since this is just simply swapping the CPU on an iPhone 8, then this is going to be, you're going to notice, you're going to get a, probably a couple hours more battery life out of this phone than you were before. Even though because, it's the same exact battery size as the iPhone yeah. 8, uh, which a lot of people were complaining about. But really, 
iOS sips battery, especially in standby. You can leave yeah. a phone if you don't touch it for days and it will maybe move a couple percentage points. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's kind of crazy in terms of to standby time, but their CPU is the same. <laughs> very, very uh, power efficient. Yeah. And it's, I find it like I never thought. So this is going to be something I never thought in the entire three year history of this podcast that I would ever have said. Um, but it is shocking to me when a new iPhone comes out that's cheaper than a OnePlus phone. Yeah. <laughs> and now OnePlus is actually moving up in price because they released the 8 Pro, the OnePlus 8 Pro, which yeah. starts at 899 I think. They're no longer the flagship killer. They are the flagship. They are They are the flagship. Um, the SE is the flagship killer. Uh, and, yeah. And then yeah. for Android, the, the Pixel 4a is going to be the flagship killer. Of, yeah, with of that, that camera, I, yeah, yeah, that's huge. Um, if you get the Pixel 4 camera, especially now that they've had a year to learn about the gripes of the 4, yeah. usually the, the weird thing is that since they released the, the mainline Pixel, when the A model comes out, not only is it a budget edition, and it does sacrifice a few features, sure, like maybe screen resolution and stuff like that, but it's also they've learned from some mistakes. So I think the 3A actually had more RAM than the 3 did. So like things like that they can learn from. So those phones yeah. are actually becoming the phones to keep an eye out for. And, and a lot of people are also quickly learning that they don't necessarily need the, the $1,200 iPhone yes. 11 Pro Max. Or they don't need the latest and greatest phone. Uh -huh. And they can get away just fine with having the base model iPhone or the budget edition now. Yeah. So yeah. and same goes for Android. Like we've I think we've officially like I keep saying this every year, but I think we've hit peak phone. Yes. <laughs> like it's something where now that the, the 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 high end is so saturated with like amazing technology and you have like cutting edge features like subscreen fingerprint scanners and like face ID and like advanced recognition tools and some of like some cameras that are rivaling DSLR and mirrorless lenses at this point, then like I think now you're starting to see that innovation shift towards the lower end of phones. And now that all this technology is becoming streamlined, you're starting to see some features trickle down into these lower end budget phones, which is a which is fantastic for the consumer because yeah. people can now get ninety percent of the way there with uh with features and I don't think Apple's confirmed either way which camera it has if it's the exact camera lens from the 8 or if it's the primary shooter from the 11 but um, I think that regardless just because of that CPU power you're, you're now able to get those features like the real-time depth sensing and the real-time uh, like lighting effects and things like that yeah you can't advanced, get, you can't get the night advanced mode. Uh, HDR mode and things like that that get yeah. higher dominant range uh, the video features are still top notch of any phone. Uh, that is shooting the, 4K, yeah. uh, clear video that's well stabilized and it just gets you a good shot at it all the, the time. The iPhone SE yeah. wipes the floor with yeah. every phone ever made at that price point, and even cameras at that price point. The iPhone SE is hands down the video king when it comes to budget smartphones. It kills every other phone. It's it's ridiculous. It's like not even fair. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really isn't. And yeah. you know, people always highlight the specs of like, oh, it only has this much amount of RAM, or you know, has this really small battery. But you know, phones are are aren't all about all about specs. You can't lay out a side by side table and put two specs up on a screen and really be able to compare a phone. 
you have to compare it by actually using it. And iOS never needed that much RAM. Yeah. Android yeah. can use eight gigabytes of RAM. iPhone doesn't, it's useless to it because it's been built from the very beginning to be efficient. And yes, it only has whatever two and a half, whatever three gigs of RAM. It can fly with that. Yeah. And Android is just not as efficient. Yes, it can, you know, you compare the specs side by side. You might think that the Android phone will be better just because it has more RAM or a bigger battery, but that might not correlate or translate to an actual uh, experience uh, that yeah. you might imagine by just looking at the specs. So I think people have to look at it um, a little bit further, a little bit deeper in why the hype is so big in certain yeah. people. Um, that you know have done the reviews of how, what what makes this such a big deal that uh, certain people have highlighted, uh, like us now, <laughs> that yeah. why we think it's such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, because if you just look at the specs, you might think it's like this. What whatever, it's just another cheap phone. You're not gonna. Yeah. But it really isn't. It it's really is a game changer, and they're gonna sell a ton of these. And, and there's been a whole group of people who have been holding out on actually upgrading to the face ID type of phones or, um, you know, they, they're not willing to pay, even if they have the money, they're not willing to pay a thousand dollar plus a phone. They don't yeah. need that. Um, and they've been fun, holding out. Fun um, fact. You can actually buy a base model iPhone SE, a pair of AirPods and an Apple watch for less than the cost of a 10 or an 11 pro max. So kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like you can buy all of that, and you're spending only like nine hundred dollars at that point, yeah. instead of the ten ninety nine required to buy an eleven Pro Max. So it's something that's definitely worth keeping an eye on for anybody looking for the budget. I'm, I'm curious to see what will do, what this will do to the budget Android market. Yeah. What sort of kick in the pants will this put you know behind and like trying yeah. to compete with that price range and and really trying to bring up those uh, features. Because uh, that was par. what Android's been banking on for years, is that uh, Apple never really dabbled into the low end, so they've never really had yeah. to, to compete there. But now that Apple's going to start eating their lunch in the low end, that Android's going to... Like, there's some Android manufacturers that I don't think are going to survive that because they they basically were cornering the market of people who just want a cheap phone. But now those people who just want a cheap phone can make that an iPhone. And Although you know, if you're a, if you're a true diehard Android fan, you're gonna cheap have phones. You're gonna keep going on Android no matter what. You're not this. This might not make you switch to yeah. iPhone. Some people will just never use an Apple product just because of whatever uh, preconceived notions they might have in their head about the company. But um, yeah, <laughs> but those people stay mostly at the high end. Those people don't. It's true. Yeah. Float down to the low end. Yeah. The people who are on the low end just want a phone. They just default to whatever the cheapest phone is, and that whatever happens they're be whatever that happens to be an android most of the time right yeah. and now you know they might see an iphone now part of that a potential list of like here's my budget what phones can you offer me yeah and now an iphone can be part of that list and part of the consideration because people um, are like oh i could get it. the i could get the the poco phone but it's like oh if i spend like a hundred bucks more i get an iphone that's pretty cool something like that 99.9 like percent of the world's like what the hell is a poco phone yeah exactly <laughs> who the hell is poco <laughs> yeah people who are on the android low end were kind of praising that a little bit but um that phone was a budget phone from a couple of years ago uh that like is doing the same thing that OnePlus was doing where they broke into the u.s market very recently 
So I understand why a lot of people won't know about him, but anybody who's at the low end, like I said, probably doesn't care. There's no low end enthusiasts that I really know of. Um, yeah. Besides yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is a compelling phone. Like I would consider, like if I was coming from a low end Android phone and I saw an iPhone um, that my plan was offering and it was like, hey man, just get it for free with your plan and you pay your two year contract and that's it. I would be like, yep, that's it. I'm picking it up. That's oh. it. So, so yeah, but that's the point that I wanted to bring up with the SE. Good, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's bigger than the SE name has changed. It's yeah. bigger, but it's better. Yeah, yeah and it's important. Sure. It's it's gonna be the Apple's most important iPhone, I think, of 2020, and probably 2019, and probably 2021. Yeah, so. and they're gonna rumor it is gonna next year they're gonna release a. SE Plus. So if you want a bigger yeah. phone with a similar price saving <laughs> literally the uh, 8 plus. thing, but yeah, it'll be the 8 plus uh pretty much. Yeah. Um, probably probably for like 100 bucks more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah potentially. Uh, I'm curious to see how they price that. Uh, but yeah, it's an exciting time for for cheap phones. Um yeah. but I think this was a good first episode back after our our hiatus. I think so. Um, I'm nodding my head, yes. We we sort of <laughs> jumped right back into it and without missing a beat. I think it comes fairly naturally for us to talk about this stuff. And yeah, and <laughs> there's been some people asking me where the podcast went, and now I can finally tell them that we're back. But I do want to try to like actually make this a routine and yes, and like do this like no matter who's available, no matter who we can get. No matter yeah, who we, we, no, yeah, we have to figure out. It's, it depends. As long as we can get two people all, at least on the call, we have plenty of others. I mean, I even made it do with one person. <laughs> yeah, we can certainly do just one one-off, uh, one person. Um, but yeah, I want to make this uh, get back into the swing of things. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, and then we can hopefully slowly roll into the features that we like. We're all excited about at the yeah. beginning of this year, or the end of last year. But uh, yeah, I think I think this could be the start of something good. Yeah. But um, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. Yes. So uh, if you're listening for the first time, because now we're popping up in your feeds again with a new episode, welcome. Um, if you are a friend who maybe has shared this episode, we thank you. And um, I just wanted to let you guys know that we are available everywhere. Um, <laughs> you can go to beardsoftech.com to find more information about us and all of the members on this podcast. You can go to Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that... Um, Apple, anywhere that you can find good podcasts, we're available. Um, and you can also go to beardsoftech.com slash reviews in order to review in order to leave us a review. I believe that links straight to the yep. iTunes page. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So, and then you can go to beardsoftech.com slash subscribe. I believe we have set up also um, with our, with our links. So um, either way you can find us, um, if you're listening to us, welcome. We're back. And this has been episode 92. And we will see you guys in the next one. <laughs>